0: what happens. I'm a little dis- uh, uh, oriented this morning because uh, on the, we dro- drove out of the house about uh, a quarter of a mile and my, uh, my tech tire light came on. It's probably just because the temperature changes, but you don't want to drive 60 miles of, and with that. So we drove back to the house and grabbed her car and we grabbed a box of books, not including my Bible. And, uh, and all kinds of other stuff. So I, I can't find anything in this Bible. It's, it's the same Bible, but it's just not the same. So, uh, so bear with me as we go through that. Paul is coming to the church at Ephesus. And um, obviously for the last time, and um, I hope that's not the case here, an old Jew coming to a supporting church. But um, uh, I, I marvel at his language and uh, it, it, it boggles my mind that he would say to them, uh, he's finishing his course, well, that that's his prayer, with joy. And then he says that he has no occasion of blood uh, for any, uh, on his hands. Now, this is a reference back to Ezekiel chapter 33, where the watchman is told, if you see, a, and we talked about this in Sunday school a little bit in James, where if you see a brother or sister overcome in a fault, uh, and, and Ezekiel says, if you see a sinner in his ways, and you warn him, and he doesn't repent, he'll die in his sin, but you'll be free of his blood. But if you don't want him, and you don't confront him, then his blood is on your hands. And that's a very egregious to me, uh, to think of all of the people, and I cannot testify as Paul did, that he is free from the blood of any man. That he in his life had taken every opportunity, every occasion, to preach the gospel of grace to everyone he came in contact with, Jews and Greeks. Now that's my hope. That's my endeavor. Uh, I set myself out in the day intentionally looking for people to witness to. I don't go to a store to shop. I go to a store to witness. And while I'm there, I pick up a few things. And I try for every opportunity to share my faith, to talk to people about the Lord, Uh, to open up conversations, and, um, uh, you know, I try to do that. Uh, I always tell people that they pay me to be good. You guys got to be good for nothing. And um, uh, that was supposed to be a joke. (coughs) But anyway, um, uh, and you'll take notes. But anyway, uh, I was on my way to a church um, a couple weeks back, and and I was thinking about the, the fishing hall situation. Because so when I was um, in my ministry, I looked for places where I can go and sit down with people and strike up conversations and witness to them. Uh, Horn and Harats used to be one back in the old days, you know, the old uh, uh, cafeteria always had a, a, a bunch of uh, Jewish men standing around drinking cold coffee, and uh, it was a w- wonderful place. And then after that, you they dunk in donuts, and then... Um, Uh, where do we go now, what's the one, Uh, uh, Starbucks, and and in Barnes and Nobles, there's a cafeteria, and all these places we can go and and witness the people. Uh, When you go out to eat, you talk to the waitress, you talk to a waiter, you ask to have a prayer request, strike up conversations, ask them about if they have children, and so on. Uh, This is an easy thing to do, but now, with COVID, everybody's got a mask on, you can't talk to, and you until up to relatively recently in Pennsylvania, you, you couldn't even go to a restaurant. Uh, everything was is to go, and you can't sit down, you can't talk. Where do you meet people? So you have to be a little bit more creative in finding what we call fishing holes. Um, and I've been trying to do that in faithfulness to God, looking for opportunities to talk to people and share. And, and I was thinking about this idea of fishing, and I was going to speak on it in the church, and as we're driving, we stopped off to get a, uh, at, uh, on the turnpike at a rest stop. And there's a guy in front of me. And for some reason that caught my attention, and I was thinking about him at Starbucks, and I wanted to strike up a conversation. I did not. Then we go into the other area, with like the 7-Eleven, where you can buy other stuff for the car. And he was behind me in one line, in front of me in the other line. And we made eye contact several times with our masks. And I wanted to say something, and I just didn't. Then we get out in the parking lot, and his car is parked right next to mine. And he has a bicycle rack on the back of his car. And I ride bicycle all the time. I go on trails and stuff, uh, six miles a day. Don't get excited here. And, uh, and, um, and Jan sees the bicycle rack. Oh, look, he rides bicycles. And then I notice for the first time As he opened the door, he has on the back of his his shirt, it says, going fishing, on his T-shirt. and uh, 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 So many, uh, and, and he gets in his car, and I waved as he drove away. I didn't say a word, I didn't know, I just didn't say a word. I could have said, fishing, are you fishing for men, or are you fishing for fish? I don't fish for fish, it's too smelly. But let me tell you, I was born and raised, and I could share my testimony like that. Bicycle riding. I ride bicycles. I try to keep it. Yeah, I know I ain't doing it, but I try to stay. And, and some, something. And then while, I'm, I, while I engage him and talk to him about the Messiah, talk to about salvation by faith, strike up a conversation. I'm, I'm, follow me to church. Anything. Nothing. He heard crickets. How do I? I don't know. I just missed that opportunity, and I just marvel at the fact that I just let it go. And um, Pray. Uh, Colossians 4, pray that you would have an open door of utterance, that you might make the, 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 the mystery of God, the, the gospel, boldly, that you may make, make it manifest as you ought to do. It, it's something we need to do. We need to be intentionally looking for opportunity to speak up, by lip by life every single day. Their blood is on our hands. Paul mentions the gospel of grace, and, and I'm wondering how many of us even know what that gospel is. If you were uh, if you were asked what is the gospel, and uh, the word is evangelion, and we see it in First Corinthians fifteen, it's it's declared unto us really quite, quite well. Paul says, were to you that which I first received. The gospel, the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and of course the scripture, and then rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and the scriptures he's appealing to." are not the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because First uh, Corinthians is written before them. The Scriptures he's appealing to are the Jewish Scriptures, the, what you call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, and in them is encased the Gospel, Evangelion, the Good News. And I was talking to a shopkeeper the other day, and I was kind of surprised. After all the years of witnessing to him and talking to him about the Lord, praying with him and so on, he... Um, he, he he said to me, "I told him about Yom Kippur. We were telling the Yom Kippur. I say Yom Kippur. I don't know, but, but, uh, but uh, the but the the day of atonement is on us. And uh, and he was, if I don't go to heaven, <coughs> there's something wrong with the system. I said, I said, how can you say that?" How can this Jewish shopkeeper, a nice guy, a moral man, I'm sure he hasn't murdered anybody or such, but yet he would uh, he declared that he can't believe if, if I don't go to heaven, something's wrong with the system. How can he say that? Because he doesn't know about sin. He he believes, like most Jewish people believe, that man is basically neutral, and uh, at at worst, you're neutral. Most of us, uh, we think we're kind of pretty good. And, uh, and he does that because he doesn't know. Jeremiah seventeen nine says that the heart is deceitful, desperately wicked, worse than anything. And if your heart's lying, who's it lying to? I never heard your heart. So it's not lying to me. Hearts lie to you. Your heart lies to yourself. His heart lies to him. His heart's telling him he's a basically a good person. And um, somewhere along the line... We need to pray for his conviction, pray that the Spirit of God would make him realize, and this is where our lives come in. When they see our joy, see our peace, that only can come from a knowledge of forgiveness, see our security, and how we, we just walk. Um, uh, what's the name of that, that uh, saint we had? That Jan, what was that, that picture that you had on a, that saint? St. Chris, what was that guy's name? Saint Francis, oh, see, I don't want to. Uh, he once said, and I don't know why I know this. Uh, uh, Preach the gospel, and uh, every day. And if you have to use words, and I, I like that expression that your life, your your walk, your manner, your your attitude would declare a, a relationship with the living God that would be provocative. Romans eleven says that uh, that they would set aside uh, the Jewish people. Uh, with the result of of the gospel come to the gentiles with the result of provoking the jewish people to jealousy second corinthians 4 says that that uh, there's a veil over their heart and uh, three I think, uh, there's a veil over their heart and they can't they can't understand the word of god now we try to give them tracts we try to give them uh, scripture but the fact is they cannot even comprehend the word of god Paul even goes on to say in Corinthians that that even to this day when Moses preached they don't comprehend it, and I've heard so many Jewish people don't understand their Bible, they don't understand the Word of God because of the veil, because of the veil, and um, it, when it it the heart turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now that's not talking about salvation. That's talking about the first step where they realize something's wrong with me i 'm not like them they 're different. Look at their lives, look at their testimony, something and if they hear, you testify, and I testify sharing your faith, sharing how god 's changed you, sharing your 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 witness, sharing what god 's done in your life. Be quick to speak up. The Bible says Faith comes by hearing, hearing of the spoken word, so you talk to them and talk about God, answers prayer, blessings, and after a while they 'll realize you got you 're in another land playing you 're in a different area then the heart will start to turn to the Lord, and then can they receive the scriptures. Otherwise, you're spinning your wheels, trying to give them Bible when they're not ready to receive Bible, but they're always ready to receive a testimony, a spoken word about God's work. Had a Jewish friend, Frank, still not saved, and um, I see him, I used to see him all the time. Now with COVID, it's, uh, it's a whole different story, he's locked up, but um, um, for months and months and months, every on Saturday nights they have prize fights. Yeah, I know it's not a very godly thing to do. I know, but uh, but but they have on 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 of uh, the week or whatever on on his television that He has Showtime or whatever. And so a bunch of us get together, go to his, get out for pizza, come back to his house, and we watch the fights. And then I witness and share and talk and in between rounds and take people out and show them the Bible and so on. Anyway. Um, Another Jewish friend of mine who's recently been saved since then, uh, Bruce, sat down with Frank and showed him Isaiah 53. And Frank says, wow, I've never seen that before. Wow, I've never seen that before. And he said, Mitch, you're a missionary. I've been sharing with Frank for 15 years and you never showed him Isaiah 53? I said, Bruce, of course I showed him. He said he'd never seen it before because he had the veil, veil. So next time over there, I sat down with Frank and Frank, get that Bible out that I got you, because the Bible out. Said, Turn to Isaiah 53, turns everything, and I sh- he said, "Wow, wow! i never seen that before." And Bruce showed him two, two weeks ago. It's, there's a veil. There's a veil, and he's just not. My life has not been provocative enough to make him get to the place where he turns to the Lord. And when that day happens, then I can show him the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. <clears throat> Paul writes in First Corinthians how that Christ died for our sins, and most Jewish people are just don 't aware of the fact that there 's a sin problem um, years ago my my son um, actually my I was with my three boys, my daughter was uh, safely up on a beach somewhere um, and just born, and we had going down to um, uh, Daytona beach I, somebody gave us a week or something i don 't know, and I was on the Daytona beach and had a, a what do you call those um, those little plastic boards, uh, a buggy board. And we were uh, on the buggy board, the three boys and I, and, and just going out really close to the shore. I made sure I could stand there. And I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the line, we drifted out where I couldn't stand. And it looked like the shore was awful far away. And I said, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, and uh, several thoughts came to my mind. One of them is, if I come back alone, Jackie's not going to be happy with me, and uh, and my mother in was going to be extremely unhappy with me. And so um, uh, I turned to the boys and said, "Guys, listen, stop fooling around now. Serious. Turn, face the shore, and hold on to this board and kick for all your worth. Dad, ca- daddy can't stand anymore, and we need to get to a place where I can walk us back in." Well, Ben, the oldest boy, he got serious right away. He was like eight, I would guess, and he just got, oh, <gasps> he just hold on that board and kicked for his worth. My youngest son, uh, Josh, he was like, f- I guess he'd be about five or so, uh, he, he, th- he, thinks he always has thought that Ben was his father, so he did what Ben did, and he pushed it, He started kicking for what he's worth. My middle boy, six and a half, seven years old, Danny, he thought it was just more fun and starts to try to dunk me. Now, you don't want to put me under because I'm the biggest vessel you have as far as uh, getting back to the shore. Danny didn't know that he was in a potentially drowning situation. Danny didn't know he needed to be saved. And you, you can pass, cast them rods, you can show them nets, you can show them ropes, you can send them every single method of being saved that you want. But if a person doesn't know he needs it, he's going to ignore it and play with it. They joke about this. We say Jesus saves, and they say with disrespect, Moses invests. They just don't know that they're sinners, and you need to communicate that message. Isaiah 50, 64, 64 6 says that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. Their good works are despicable and disgusting in God's sight. At Yom Kippur, they go over here to pray, and they dive in, they pray, they say, Ovinu Malkainu, if we sin this way or that way, our Father, our King, forgive us. But the fact is is that no matter how long they pray or how much they pray, Isaiah 59 says that God's arm arm is not short that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquity is suppressing you and your God. He will not hear you. So you can't pray your way in. Isaiah 64, your righteousness, you can't work your way in. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they need to know the bad news. Genesis 6 and verse 5 says that, when God looked down from heaven, he saw that every imagination of man's heart was only evil and continuously evil. <coughs> uh, it wasn't good. Back in Genesis, when God saw it, said, he said, Behold, it is good. What happened from Genesis 2 to Genesis 6? Genesis 3. Adam disobeyed the will of God, and became a sinner, and he reproduced after his own kind, and every one of us dies in father. And our, in our uh, Father Adam, and for all, sin is passed, but all men, for all, ha- death is past, but all have sinned, and we sin in Father Adam. They need to know that the depravity of man man is not to sin because he is a sinner, not because he sins, but because he sins because he is a sinner. Show them the truth of God by the change that you have in your life, and then open up scriptures. When they know that they're sinners, and when they know that they're lost, their attitude changes tremendously. Years ago, I was called on a witness to a gal. Actually, I was called a witness to um, uh, share a testimony with a, I wouldn't call it a kid uh, to do marriage counseling. Uh, he was Catholic. She was Jewish. And, um, and they were having marital problems. And they'd been to uh, various psychological counselors. None of them seemed to really be helpful for them. So they wanted to get um, uh, spiritual counseling. He wanted a priest. She wanted a rabbi. They got me, and uh, I don't know how they got kind of a hold of me, but they did. They came to their home, and he really wasn't wanting counseling. He was just there because um, he wanted to prove to her that he wanted counseling, but he really wanted. To. <coughs> so they got into the home, sat down with them, met their son, talked to him. He says, uh, "Are you a Catholic priest?" He said, "No, I'm, 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 uh, I'm Jewish." Oh, you're going to take her side. And he takes his hold on, on, and off he goes to the bar. He's done with me. So you see, I have a real good way with people. And so I, I sat down with her, and I started to show her Ephesians, you know, um, where it talks about wives and husbands and so on. And, ah, show it to me in my Bible. Well... The only marriage counseling I know in the scriptures, Jewish scriptures, would be Proverbs thirty-one, and it wasn't too long before I realized she's just not really a Proverbs thirty-one kind of person, and so I, 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 I didn't know. So I, I decided to just give it a gospel. So I showed her the heart of man. I showed her the the, the 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 depravity of man. I showed her the scriptures I just shared with you: Isaiah sixty-four, Isaiah fifty-nine, and and Jeremiah seventeen-nine, Genesis six, and so on. And after a while, the Spirit of the living God began to convict her of her need. Now, um, I, I, I want to take it to uh, the New Testament. And I, I showed her how, how, how in Daniel 9, it says that the Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And that's, that's where you get Christ died. Christ died. And then I showed her in Isaiah 53 where he was pierced through for transgression. With his stripes we are healed. I showed her how he died for our sins. He died for our sins. That's what Paul said, how the Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So I had Daniel 9, Isaiah 53, and I, I, I just wanted to take it further, and I wanted to go to Romans. But I was really reluctant because within five minutes ago, she said, show it to me in my Bible. And I said, can I show you something in the New Testament? Oh, sure. Changed, changed. You see, convicted of sin, looking for a solution, under the, the compelling of the Holy Spirit, took it to Romans ten, where it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in our heart that God's raised the dead, thou shalt be saved. So he took her there, and she looked at that, and while I was trying to formulate the, um, the the what to say next, she says, "I can do that." You're getting ahead of the outline. I'm. <laughs> I can do that. I. I can believe, I, I can confess that Jesus is Lord. She just turned it right around. Turn it right around. Jewish girl, turn it right around. See, how the Holy Spirit works. It's amazing. It's marvelous. And then she said, I, I believe God. I don't even talk about the resurrection. And God's raised with the dead. And, and she just placed her faith right then and there. He said, well, you know what that means? He said, it means you're saved. It means you're saved. Praise God. I said, let's pray. Now, I was going to pray, you know, Father, she would, I'd give you the rules. I'm going to pray this little prayer, and if it's true in your heart, you pray this prayer after me. You know how we do that, the sinner's prayer. And I was going to do that, but as soon as I said, let's pray, she chose like this. And I felt almost like sacrilegious talking to a person in that posture. So I think maybe she'll pick it up when I start to pray. Father God, and she'll know to say, Father God, after me. And she starts off with this marvelous, convicting prayer. She says, Father God, I thank you. And she just confesses her sin and God's salvation and God's provision. And at to me, we don't need to teach them how to pray. The Holy Spirit has compelled and convicted them, changed and converted them. And and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that which has been true in our heart now comes out of the mouth. And with the heart, man believes in salvation. And with the mouth, man, confession is made of salvation. She's been changed, you see. And so I don't got to tell her what to pray. Uh, I just got to give her the gospel. And the gospel is in the Old Testament. Uh, and it's in the New. It's throughout the scribal how that Christ died for our sins. Daniel 9 tells us when he died three score in two weeks and so on and so forth and we can tell you exactly when the Messiah an exact day and date on the holiday of the Pesach on the 14th day of the Hebrew month of the Son between the evenings 3 o'clock in the afternoon our Messiah was sacrificed exactly in the right place uh, Abraham offered up his son Isaac and was about to offer him up they st- the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, and said no, 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 no God will provide himself a lamb Abraham says to his son and there they looked and a ram was caught in a thicket. Well, rams and lambs aren't the same thing. I, I, I'm not much about, you know, about animal husbandry because the backyard 40 in Brooklyn was not that was kind of sparse. But 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 that the, a lamb is an immature animal. A ram is a mature animal caught there by its horn, and they bring that ram out and they sacrifice it instead of Isaac. But we're still waiting for the Lamb of God that God will provide on this mount, Jehovah Jireh. It will provide on that place. That Mount, Mount Calvary, where, where it was predicted, the Lamb was provided. John the Baptist, 2,000 years later, said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, and our Messiah, Yeshua, on the right time, the right place, the right moment, was the sacrificed Lamb for the sins of the world. Daniel 9 says, talks about it, and Isaiah 53 talks about it. He was pierced through for our transgression, and with his stripes we are healed. Well, what do we do about that? Well, Isaiah 1 says, Come now, let it reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as crimson, they'll be white as snow, red like, uh, they'll be white as wool. And so, um, uh, crimson scarlet, white as wool. And so, uh, uh, what, how does this happen? When and where? And Abraham, Abraham um, when, when given the promise of a seed, 2,000 years before uh, it occurred places faith in God. He places faith in the promise. Even though it seems so impossible that his seed would be as, as the stars in the heavens when he had no heir. And, and he was old and beyond the age and so on. <coughs> and Sarah as well. God said uh, he made him a promise concerning his seed. And Abraham looking forward 2,000 years to the finished work, to the sun, to the seed. A seed is singular, Galatians tells us. God Abraham placed his faith in that seed and that promise. And God declared him righteous on the basis of his faith. And uh, 2,000 years after, looking back, uh, scores of Jewish people in my lifetime and myself have looked back to that cross and placed our faith in that seed and have been delivered from it marvelously and magnificently. I never understood how it works how a person can be like that, just turned and changed. But it really isn't like that. It's really a process where several people have been involved in the process, people who we don't even know have been praying for them. When I was four years old, I heard about um, Jesus for the first time. They told me that Jesus loved me. I said, <laughs> who is Jesus and how is it that he loves me? Everybody knew who Jesus was except me. I was the only one in the kindergarten class who didn't know who he was. So I was thinking, how could somebody as famous like Mickey Mantle love me? And <laughs> I mean, how would that happen? So I went home and said, Mom, who's Jesus? And, and how is it that he loves me? <laughs> My mother hit the roof. She was so unhappy. Where'd you hear that? And, and I said, uh-oh. And um, I told her, the kindergarten teacher's daughter told me that Jesus loved me. I was wrong. They they weren't related at all, but there was something so similar between the teacher and the girl, and it turns out that they're both evangelical Christians, and neither one knew the other one was saved. But I spotted something as a little boy. I liked the fact that they said I was really uh, extraordinary because I could recognize Christians. I like being different, but I also started myself started on a, on a search. To find out what is it that makes Christians alike, we Jews were all related somehow. We're similar, but what makes Christians alike? And I just wanted to find that out and search that down. And 18 years later, I found out what it is that makes Christians alike. It's Christ in your heart, it's a changed life. So they started praying for me. So people are praying for Jewish people and praying for Gentile people to be saved. Some people pray for years and years and years and years. Uh, that's a factor. Um, seeds are being sown, other Christians come across their path say a word, good morning, God bless you, how are, if somebody says how are you, you are blessed, blessed, and they say "Well, I'll tell you, blessed by the best, and if you're not blessed, what's wrong got a problem, let's talk about it, I'm blessed, and, and just share your faith, share your faith, talk to people about Jesus, spread seeds spread seeds, and let the Spirit of God slowly draw them uh, step by step, one day at a time, one promise at a time, and sooner or later, you're going to see uh, fruit. Fruit will be uh, as you sow, and you shall be able to reap. This marvelous thing called the gospel or evangelion. I, I love uh, where words come from. This word comes out of 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 um, military experience. I'm with the veterans, and I enjoy those military things. Um, the um, uh, back in this, the days when the Macedonia was being, um, Greek isles being conquered, one city-state after another, each city-state had its own king who was the religious leader, the medical leader, the chief economic officer. He, all authority stopped with him. And he was bred for the position, he was raised for the position, he was educated the position, and he assumed the position. And when other city-states wanted to conquer them, they would come uh, out and challenge them to come out. And Alexander the Great would be the first one outside the, the camp. And he would be ensconced on his horse. I'm told he was 12 feet high because of his high hat and how he stood in posture. Couldn't miss him. And he came out to battle. And he would take the army away from the city so the people would be safe back here. And they would engage ways. and the engagement would begin with the heavy artillery, if you will, the huge arrows, and I mean with thunderous, the hard, heavy arrows. They would send them out, and they had these massively b- big shields, and they surround themselves with these shields. And they would the a- a volley would fall, and then they would send a volley back. And after all the heavy artillery, which was maiming and crippling and destroying, uh, was, was exhausted. They threw down the shields and then they came running at each other, mano a mano, with mace, with sword, with weaponry, hand to hand combat. And, and, and the, the, the earth would shake, the, the dust would fly, you'd hear the screams and the hollering, and it, it was havoc beyond uh, recognition. Firefights, even to this day with modern weaponry, uh, is awesome, uh, life changing, you'll never forget one. It's horrible. And at the end of this, uh, the, the battle, it just got quiet. The dust settled. And you knew the battle was over. And the battle was over because one of the kings fell. And when the king was dead, the battle's over. Uh, it doesn't matter how many people, nobody ever could pitch you. Nobody said, I, I, give, I surrender. Uh, you, they you could have killed more of your men. But if the king lives, the battle goes on. King dies, the battle's over. Battle's over. People in the city know it's over. It's silent. It's quiet. They know the battle's over. But they don't know who won. Now, Alexander the Great can't come back. He cannot come back to the, battle the battlefield because there's all kinds of operations and things he needs to do. There's booty to be distributed, he's the chief executive officer. There's a wounded people to be attested to and the chief medical officer. There's men on that battlefield who are fighting against, fought against him and if he can sit down and repatriate them to himself, he can convert them over to his philosophy, his religion, and they will be the most faithful soldiers ever. He spares them and so on. So there's all kinds of work he has to do. But he can't let the people back in the city think, doubtfully, w- will we be taking slaves? Is this over for our end of life? Are they going to come in here now and, ra- and ransack our village? Wait, rape, rape us, destroy us. What are we going to? What's going to happen to us? Mass suicide might happen if they think that Alexander's dead. They don't know. They don't know. So he has to send somebody back to the village to let them know. And one soldier gets on a steed. He's the watchman. One soldier gets on a steed. And when he's in a shouting distance, he screams out with great joy and great exultation. One single word: Evangelion. Evangelion! Evangelion! And when that word is heard in the village, they know their king is alive. Their way of life goes on. They've been victorious over the enemy. Evangelion. Good news. Good news. 2,000 years ago, our Messiah Yeshua left the city of Jerusalem to go to a hill that we don't begin to comprehend. The fight of battle is beyond our understanding. And on that hill in that battle, he defeated sin and Satan and death, rose again the third day, and the battle is over. And our job is to go back to the people and say, Evangelion, we are victorious. Evangelion, sin has been defeated. Evangelion, he's risen up. We need to tell them, be purposeful, be intentional. Every time, you, everywhere you go, be free of their blood. Tell them the good news of Messiah Jesus. Evangelion. Evangelion. Thank you.